welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. Thank you so much for listening and making a commitment to learning. I hope everybody is doing well. We are your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, joined by the amazing Yvonne Brandenburg. Hi, hi. What's up, girl? <laughs> Can you believe it's already halfway through February? No, I'm no. No, I can't believe it's 2024. Let's be real. <laughs> That's like, true. What? Uh, and I do apologize because uh, I got sick and uh, I'm sure you guys can probably tell. <laughs> I'll try not to cough too much during this. I got hit by it this week and I'm just like, uh. The joys of I traveling. Mean, I was going to say, I did two weeks in a row of traveling with like really long, crazy days because of delays. It was like insane. I'm not surprised that I got hit by it. I, I Yeah. <laughs> yeah you're just like i'm here <laughs> i know my mom's like oh it's because you took so many flights and i was like no i'm pretty sure i'd done more flights last year so i think i don't know whatever yeah probably a combination of just exhaustion and new viruses that you were coming across Ugh, between right? traveling yeah who um, knows i also went to like rite aid and like because my mom was sick and so like Mm. I don't know. I was like, Mom, did you give it to me? Yeah, right. <laughs> or did I touch something that somebody had cooties at Friday gave to me? I don't even know. So who knows? I just know it's really annoying and I kind of want it to be done with already. Yeah, I get that. Especially because I have to travel again on Saturday. So like in a week. Yeah. So hurry up and get better so you can get sick again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think I'll get sick again. I think this is just like a fun little cold but yeah i it was kind of cool like i went to arkansas this last weekend mm -hmm. for their vet tech association conference and it, it was actually a really cool location i you know I, i've never been to arkansas so that was kind of cool and i totally forgot that arkansas has title protection for bts's plus mm -hmm. they have like all this extra stuff for bts's which is pretty freaking amazing so um yeah arkansas, to arkansas for getting some stuff done <laughs> arkansas is definitely like ahead of the curve in the vet the vet industry yeah yeah i felt bad because meg harrison i think is her name she has her vts in large animal internal medicine and she she's the one that really kind of helped push that proposal to get through mm -hmm. and i was talking last year or not last year I was talking to Caitlin, who's the president of the Arkansas Vet Tech Association. And she said that last year, Meg really got kind of harassed by some of the doctors at the conference. Oh, I'm sure. That were really upset about it going through. And I was like, dude. Which is wild, too, because like out of all the fields in vet med that could really highly depend on like a mid-level practitioner type style thing, yeah. it would be large animal. Yeah. Because, like, they just need additional help. I mean, if you think about it, large animal medicine 
is is really in the r- rural areas. I hate mm-hmm. that word, so I, I choke on it every time. The rural areas. And that's that's where you're going to have a little bit more of that old school thinking. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to say this very delicately, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, you know, so I I'm not surprised that she got some flack for it, but good for her for standing up for technicians and VTSs because I think it's paving the way for a, a lot of places. Oh yeah, I think it's an industry changer for sure. Yeah, yeah. She took she made a big step and like I mean huge step. Yeah, of course she got harassed, but of course there was also like. There had to have been such amazing support behind her, though, too, to help. Oh, keep, yeah. Push oh, forward. I'm so, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like we're we're getting there. We're we're slowly yeah. starting that transition of like. It's like it's you know you just kind of like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, and that's all you got to do. That's an interesting just, saying. You've never heard the saying. Before? I've never heard that saying before. Oh. I don't think it's an old person saying, Jordan, because I see that look on your face. Like, <laughs> this is a Rux, uh, Teddy Ruxpin Teddy, thing. No, yeah, it is. I know. It's no, so funny because, no, like, <laughs> I took my kids to, like, um, an antique store and they had, like, cabbage to- cabbage patch dolls or whatever. <laughs> In an <laughs> antique store? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and <sighs> my kids, Bailey, was like, oh, my God, those are creepy looking. I was like, they kind of are. But, like, back when I was a kid, they were cool because they smelled like fruit and, like, <laughs> like. They did? Yeah. Maybe yours did. Mine definitely did not smell like fruit. Mine smelled like plastic. Well, yeah, yeah. The original one smelled like plastic, but after a while, they tried to have ones that smelled like peachy. And like, mm, interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. They had like, you know, classic Monopoly games and stuff there too. <laughs> right. They had those like uh, nice vintage lunch boxes, the tin ones. And like, oh my God, that's so funny. I know. Walkmans. Bailey was like, what's this? I was like, that's a Walkman. She's like, what's that do? I was like, it plays CDs and uh, to listen to music. She's like, what are CDs? I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh God. <laughs> I, was like, she, I was like, just is wait she going to be one about. of those where you give her like a rotary phone and she won't know what to do with it? No, actually, we passed a rotary phone and she was like, oh my God, we need one of these. This is so cool. It's so old. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, eh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. And like back in, back in my day like i had my own like phone in my room you know and like they had those those like fancy like mickey mouse ones and like i had the yeah the clear one where you could see all the like insides of the phone but it was like clear blue you remember those ones i yeah i remember and they lit the, up like, clear you know? things were like a bad for a while oh yeah like clear jelly yeah. shoes off oh, those were great <laughs> oh my god <laughs> your feet so bad but they're so great <laughs> Oh my god! I just want everybody to know that I am not the only one going <laughs> off topic today. Yes, I am sick, but Jordan's also leading us off topic. You're right. All right, let's start talking. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> and just uh, before we jump in, I uh, definitely want to do a shout out to Love You Vet. Um, so she has her. She has a website. It's it's like stickers and. Uh, we we have the 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 keychains and the book. Really love her book. She's also got Valentine's Day stuff, and I know she's got a bundle for Valentine's Day, which is super fun. So she's got some Valentine's Day cards, which look adorable. Definitely check check those out. And then for February, she's also got some 
graduation cap stuff because I know graduation's coming up. So that's definitely something to look at. But anyways, she's got a lot of really fun stuff. So definitely check her out. And you can always get 10% off with the code. I am FET10. So you can always get 10% off by using the code IMFVT10. So IMFVT, so internalized from a text, 1010. So go to com, which is L-O-V-E-H-U-V-E-T.com. Check out her fun stuff, especially for Valentine's Day, which is coming up next this week. Is that this week? Oh, God. That's Holy this cow. Week. That is this week. Woo! Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. <laughs> right? I know. Bailey was like, are you guys celebrating Valentine's Day? I was like, nope. My husband's in Tennessee. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know, right? We don't normally do Valentine's Day anyway. Like, I we, mean, it's we... it's hard when my husband works for, you know, the big grocery store and he yeah. sees like the price markup for all those things during yeah, the Yeah, it's crazy. And like, I can't justify that. So I'm just like, yeah, no, like just give no. me some flowers next week. <laughs> like, I'm cool. <laughs> like, right? yeah i'm like i don't need valentine's day stuff like i'll do i'll do like valentine's day cards for friends like the little yeah yeah, yeah. kid ones because those are fun but other than that like no i don't it's cool no like trust me i want to do like mimosas and hang out together but like we can we do do that like most weeks anyway (laughs) right yeah exactly but anyway, this week we're going to be talking about the stemper. Let's shift gears before I get off topic any further. Right. <laughs> Let's exactly. make a hard left back over to the stemper. So surprisingly, again, four years in, we haven't talked about canine distemper virus. So it's <laughs> insane to me. I think we just like. We've can, mentioned it. We've with mentioned different things, it. But yeah. yeah, I've seen one case of distemper. I don't know if I've seen it. I feel like I did at one point, but. I can't remember. Yeah. I've seen it once. I remember it was like a hound dog, like a tick hound. So anyway. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what kind of dog it was that I saw it in. (laughs) Right. So this week we're going to be talking about canine distemper virus. It is a virus that is actually closely related to the measles virus, which I learned. (laughs) So, but unlike the measles, well, you know what? Let's just talk about it. Because <laughs> I was like going to say, well, they don't really get like, you know, skin lesions, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, they, they do. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> so the interesting thing about the canine distemper virus, though, is that it can actually occur in so many different species. So many different species. So, yeah. Yeah. Like yes. it can include like even felines, but mostly like especially we're going to it could occur in monkeys, elephants, like bears. I uh, think it's red crazy panda. that it can happen in elephants. Like, yeah, what? no, elephants I know, like raccoons, right? Because ferrets, badgers, otters. How they like uh, make the vaccine is oh, maybe not. I don't remember. I don't remember either. Or but maybe I... it's ferrets. I remember this was like a VTE question. Yeah, where you're like not allowed to give the canine distemper vaccine. Mm-hmm. I think it's the ferrets. Because they make the vaccine using ferrets. And so if you vaccinate the ferret with the canine distemper, they can actually get it. The quote unquote canine distemper. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's, it's wild. I think I do vaguely remember that. That's so crazy that that just like popped in my head. Like, I know, I know. Dusted that off from like 20 years ago. It's fine. I actually didn't put anything in here about the vaccine. Cause like, I mean. 
We should know that. You didn't? No, because like I put in there, of course, like there's a vaccine for this to prevent it. But the whole point of this is to learn about the disease and like what to do to treat it rather than like (laughs) prevent it. Rather than prevent it? Hmm. Well, we got to know what we're preventing. (laughs) That's true. Plus, everybody everybody who's listening to this probably knows vaccine series like currently way better than (laughs) I do. So That's probably very true. Yeah. So therefore... Most people listening probably do know that there is a canine distemper vaccine. Yeah. But yeah. So you got some problems. Yeah. You might be really early on. There's a vaccine. But yeah. Anyway, so it can affect several different species, dogs, foxes, wolves, raccoons, ferrets, skunks, badgers, otters, elephants. Like I said, it's just, it's wild, but obviously we're going to be talking about the dog. (laughs) So Yeah. And I think this is important to kind of remember we don't see it as much, I think, in the U.S., although we do. But, like, feral dogs really tend to be those reservoirs for mm-hmm. for canine distemper. So I know, I'm pretty sure the dog that we saw at my clinic came from a rescue. And it was from an area that yeah, was same. more like in a desert area. And mine like, came there was from, a ton of, like, I think mine came dogs from South area. America, if I remember yeah. right. It was like a yeah. South American hunting dog. Yeah, and that's one of those things because they're more exposed to dogs that are not vaccinated, right? Like that makes sense that you're gonna have a higher risk of it. So yeah, yeah, but it, crazy. It is it's a single-stranded RNA virus. It is actually pretty like unstable outside of its own host, but it's easily transmitted just typically via aerosol droplets, secretions from from animals, infected animals, obviously. But the the wild thing is, is like a lot of infected dogs may like have the potential to shed this virus for several months. So crazy. Yeah, it's wildly unfortunate. But the virus, like it kind of does a few stages. Initially, it replicates super quickly. Right. And usually targets like the lymphatic tissue of the respiratory tract specifically. So like Mm. as we kind of talk, like the the initial symptoms do tend to be respiratory in origin. And then as it kind of like continues to circulate throughout the bottle, then it'll just kind of result in infection of all the lymphatic tissues, followed by like respiratory, urogenital, epithelium, GI tract, as well as eventually the CNS and optic nerves, which is when I saw that patient that we had. So when it had CNS development. That's crazy that comes to you when it gets to the CNS part. uh, I was actually (laughs) in GP at the time when I saw it. Oh, okay. Okay. I was like, hmm. Yeah, no, I was in GP when I saw it. It was actually like the second clinic I'd ever worked at. So it was pretty early on in my career. Oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, so it does like it replicates within the tissues and then just kind of continues to spread, which is unfortunate. And what it does actually is like kind of as it makes its way through the body, it weakens the immune system along the way. And so essentially what it does is it is like it's not the virus that can end up destroying these I mean, it is the virus that can end up destroying these dogs, but it's really like the weakened immune system that really makes it difficult for dogs to fight off like other types of infection that can occur. Uh. So they can, they're prone to getting like pretty significant urinary tract infections, which can lead to like pyelonephritis and things like that. Mm. So like any sort of, which is kind of where we'll get into like the skin involvement even too, because it's like, it just weakens it so much that they can have a variety of symptoms it's great it's like one of those internal medicine diseases that you're like yeah we should probably know more about this because it affects everything (laughs) 
But there's a variety of like signs that we can kind of see, but we'll talk about that in just a minute. But what we see is this typically affects young dogs. So the average age is going to be between two and six months. And Mm -hmm. of course, those unvaccinated puppies older than six weeks are going to be more commonly infected. And those are going to be the, the pets that are more susceptible to actually developing disease and getting sick. But dogs of all ages can actually become sick and infected if they're exposed to the canine distemper virus and they're not properly protected by vaccination. Of course, see, I do talk about vaccination. (laughs) I told you, (laughs) I just don't go into detail about the vaccine. (laughs) And so like, of course, when we think of like our wild animals that can become infected with this, there's not much like we can do out there. But like, that is something that we need to be aware of. And like, if, if there's any techs listening who work in zoo medicine too, like, right, that's going to be something that they Mm. need to be aware of as well. Especially now that I learned that elephants can get it. Seriously. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But it's funny because like initially the way this disease can present, it'll kind of like, it'll start off like a little mild and then kind of get more significant. So Mm. Typically what happens first is usually they'll just get kind of like a mild fever and that occurs about three to six days after a dog becomes infected. Around this time is usually they'll develop some mild anorexia as well. And then that'll Mm. kind of like go away for a few days to several days. And then a second fever occurs. And then typically with a second fever, what happens is usually like same thing, like they'll also get anorexia, but then this is where we're going to start seeing some of those more upper respiratory signs. So we're going to see some seronasal discharge. We're going to see some mucopurulent ocular discharge. We're definitely going to see some lethargy and just kind of just general meh feeling. Yeah. As it progresses throughout the body, right? So like we're talking about stages here, then we can kind of see GI and respiratory signs kind of start developing as well, or at least worsening. And Oftentimes what happens once we kind of get past this second fever and we start getting that lethargy and that discharge, then that's also too when the disease is going to start making the immune system work harder and, you know, really struggle to keep up because this Mm. is usually where like these respiratory and GI signs will be accompanied by like a secondary bacterial infection. So sometimes it's pretty rare, but sometimes you can see even like a pustular dermatitis. So that's where kind of like that skin involvement can come in. But again, it's going to be more like susceptibility to infection. Yeah. And I was going to say, I know the dog that we saw, it was just that classic, just yellow, green mucus everywhere, respiratory signs. I mean, I remember that. So it was a long time ago, but yeah, it was very classic for that distemper patient, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like distemper is like, when you see it, like, you're kind of like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Pretty crazy, but. Pretty gnarly. Yeah. The one I saw ended up having like lockjaw, which wow. we haven't even, we haven't even gotten into the CNS signs yet, but oh, man. typically after like, after those pets are at risk of those like secondary infections, right? Then this is where we can see other signs of like systemic disease. We can see things like encephalomyelitis. And so that can occur as well. Now, if dogs like can like kind of make it through that acute phase, right? What can happen too is like, then they can even, I find this so interesting too. They can even develop like hyperkeratosis. 
on the foot pads and the epithelium of the nasal planum. And mm -hmm. that's like, it's, it's crazy too. I, I, it's just interesting, like how it all kind of just wreaks havoc on the body and like yeah. causes chaos. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then we can really start seeing some, some more of those like more significant neurologic signs. So we can see things like circling, head tilt, nystagmus. We can see paralysis. So that's what I saw. Like I saw like lockjaw and then it, like that dog was like kind of paralyzed. And uh, ooh, this dog ooh. also that I saw ended up even having seizures. So they can even have seizures oh, wow. from focal to generalized. The one that I saw had focal seizures like of the face. Oh, wow. But it, it's interesting because like throughout the course of disease, like a dog can exhibit just like a few of these symptoms or like all of them can kind of stick to just the respiratory tract or it can extend all the way out to the CNS and involvement and stuff too. Yeah. And I would imagine that has to do with like how developed these dogs immune systems are. Right. Cause like we're talking puppies here. Yeah. And usually they've never puppies. been vaccinated. Right. So it's like how developed is their immune system and just like, how old are they and all that stuff like how bad does it get so yeah yeah crazy. and if dogs are lucky i mean like the course of the actual disease could only be you know 10 days which is like a typical standard virus right mm -hmm. but it's unfortunate though that sometimes even like those neurologic signs though they might be delayed for several weeks or even months just due to like wow. chronic progressiveness of the disease Wow. So it's like they can they can get over the acute phase within a week to 10 days kind of thing. And then like, you know, two months later have CNS development. And you're like, holy cow. Ugh, that sucks. And that would that would be tough, too, because it's like it's almost like hard. To oh, yay. We got it through it. And it's like, just kidding. Or like we still have problems. <laughs> even the runaround to kind of circle back to like, oh, like that's. Yeah. The still the same problem kind of thing. Yeah which is quite unfortunate because like typical neurological signs, like I said, can, it can be like localized muscle twitching, like kind of mild neurologic signs, you know, when it comes yeah. to things to like seizures, salivation, chewing moments, which like, that's what that dog that I saw was doing. It had like lock jaw, but it would do this like biting, but like it couldn't close its jaw all the way. And it, so it was mm. like chewing gum, like, and that's like a classic, like, it's called a chewing gum fit and like that's crazy yeah it's that's it was interesting to see yeah but a differential diagnosis on these guys is obviously again quite extensive because of the range of clinical <laughs> signs the that these guys can have yeah yeah when it comes to like our diagnostics of course we need to be thorough so comprehensive cam cbc t4 ua if there's neurologic signs, like oftentimes that's going to accompany like even additional like imaging and things like that. But again, mm -hmm. for the sake of like trying to figure out distemper, the things that we're going to really kind of see that pop up abnormal, we, we might see a little bit of lymphopenia. So we can see leukopenia usually at the time of fever. And that's going to really mostly involve that lymph, uh, those lymphocytes, because again, it's kind of wreaking havoc on the, yeah, like, it's like, like it's like trying to, you're, the immune system's trying to do what it's supposed to do. And then it gets exhausted. That's, yeah. I mean, that's the same as like parvo and stuff like that, right? Like we, yeah. it, it gets hit hard because it hasn't been exposed to it. So it doesn't know. And then it just takes so much more to fight it off. Yep, exactly. And then 
with this virus too, so with canine distemper virus, you can actually see inclusion bodies and you're going to typically mm. find these in circulating leukocytes, but you can generally only find these like very, very early on in the disease process. Hmm. And then two, of course, like I said, we talked about imaging and things like that. Now, mind you, like, of course, when it comes to like CNS signs and like a CT scan or an MRI, like we might not see overt changes because this is a virus, but because we have some respiratory- inflammation though that's yeah for sure. we might see inflammation thoracic radiographs can um typically reveal like viral pneumonia type deal mm. so we definitely want to do that but when we want to like actually get confirmation of canine distemper virus then we're going to do it's actually called a reverse transcriptase pcr so an rt pcr hmm. and an antibody detection test so like things like the elisa or ifa testing crazy oh is this in the um is it in the yeah it's in the respiratory disease Mm -hmm. pcr yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking it's in the it's in the comprehensive respiratory okay so yeah so unfortunately no snap test in house but like um this is those you, you know our respiratory patients that come in and we do the comprehensive panel out to the lab. This is going to be in one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which is nice because it covers a lot of stuff, but it'll look for, for distemper too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it covers so much more. <laughs> right. So treatment for these guys, though, generally is really going to be supportive care. So it's really going to be mm-hmm. geared around like what clinical signs is the the canine patient dealing with. So of course, we're going to do things like help keep up with nutrition requirements for the pet, hydration support. We're going to do like antibiotics, right, to prevent secondary bacterial infections. And then we're going to try to protect the pet against like, you know, the harmful effects of seizures. And and so it's going to be a lot of just general nursing care. Yeah. And again, these are usually puppies. So they're going to need just general support because they have little reserves. Yeah, exactly. So So it really, really is going to be just kind of like the titrating and of like those antibiotics, electrolyte solutions, nutrition, analgesics, anticonvulsants, things like that. And then just extreme nursing care and hygiene, right? Because these guys are extremely susceptible to secondary infections. So hygiene in these guys is going to be kind of like the top of the food chain here as to like how we're going to manage these patients yeah and they're definitely like they're in isolation because again it's a virus aerosol Um, transmission especially like yeah so you know they're 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 in isolation but you want to be really careful just to make sure that you know you don't have like a distemper puppy next to a parvo puppy because well that and like i mean truly cross cross contamination there (laughs) truly that like I very much am aware of like the inability for some vet clinics to have like a true isolation, but like even enough staff to maintain one person monitoring that patient only and not handling other patients, right. Who might be potentially susceptible to Mm -hmm. developing this disease, but gold standard would be again, like an isolation, especially with its own ventilation system because it's aerosolized and then like one-on-one nursing care where that, that, that technician or person caring for that patient right is not handling other puppies or other potentially compromised dogs yeah 
So it really, really is going to be a matter of like just keeping things clean. Yep. But there really, there's been like some studies or they're trying to do studies of like different types of uh, antiviral medications that will help kind of combat canine distemper virus, but they haven't really come up with much. And then truly it, it's very unfortunate, but like the, the neurological component of this treating for those specific signs, like with a true treatment rather than kind of like supportive care is mm. frequently unsuccessful. And sometimes there can be long-term side effects uh, that affect the CNS as pa- patients recover in age. Like they might still have circling. They might still have a head tilt. Like they might still yeah. have nystagmus. They might still have like essentially vestibular disease, <laughs> like yeah. moving forward. Yeah. <clears throat> so it really is going to be case by case situation too on like when is like obviously like the stopping point versus like this pet's going to recover there's no there's no set in stone like these pets are you know poor prognosis versus like excellent prognosis other than like fact that like cns involvement scares clients (laughs) and like yeah that really does decrease quality of life in some patients so it is a case by case basis for sure yeah yeah Yeah. And I mean, here's the thing, right? It's a virus. So we just, right now we don't have great antivirals. So we just do the best that we can and just support them through it. Yep. But with proper hygiene, nutrition, and supportive care, like it it is like very much possible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's canine distemper virus. And look at me. I only got off topic at the very beginning. (laughs) right (laughs) like i had lots of thoughts pop in my head but i kept them to myself (laughs) (laughs) right yeah and i think you know you and i kind of touched on like the whole vaccine thing and then we haven't seen a ton of this and i think part of that is because people are very very aware of giving the vaccine right Mm -hmm. and it is a very common vaccine so the thing is is like it's like a pound of prevention and you know or a an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, right? Yeah. So we, we, this is definitely one we want to vaccinate against, especially in our young patients, just because. And tighter in our older patients too, right? Make sure they are still yeah. protected because as they get older, like even though we, either tighter might be good, like don't just assume, right? Like they still mm-hmm. might have that ability to develop distemper as they get older if their titers aren't actually. Yeah. No. Well, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, because so many different animals can harbor yep. distemper, you know, just because they don't see other dogs doesn't mean that they couldn't potentially get it. So, you know, That's just thing. It's, yeah. it's again, know the risks. It's simply like a walk to the dog park past another dog or licking out of the same water dish out of the dog park mm-hmm. that, you know, and then that puppy develops distemper, you know? Yeah. So... Yeah, that was distemper. That's all I got on distemper. Yeah, I kind of feel like I have distemper right now. Just, just saying with the. Hopefully, you don't get any focal seizures or lockjaw. No, I, <laughs> like, I doubt it. <laughs> you just have the respiratory uh, and like fever uh, and meh feeling. Yeah, anorexia, seriously. like. Oh yeah! Oh my god! I know. I'm. It's like really sad because I started to get the most sick on Friday, and I was like, well. At least I have the weekend to recover. And yesterday, 
it was like beautiful outside like oh it was gorgeous here too yesterday and i was like (laughs) i made the kids wash the car and like (laughs) i went out and like messed with all the animals and like i was outside most of the day yesterday we put our new baby chicks outside for a little bit Mm. Bailey brought her ferrets down outside for a little bit and like oh great so you have ferrets so yeah we do (laughs) we do that's like the one pet that we have that i always forget we have now because like they, they just don't want to get distemper from everybody right yeah i mean they're vaccinated we got them from someone they're spayed and neutered and vaccinated that's what counts that's true that's true especially the spayed and neuter part <laughs> <laughs> true. I, was, I was like absolutely not no more <laughs> so all right guys all right. well thank you so much for listening we're gonna get off here so yvonne can go rest and recover um from her human distemper she's harboring right now and we will chat with you guys next week bye thank you for listening to today's episode of the internal medicine for vet techs podcast if you like what you heard we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode want to give us a boost Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher, and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.